Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Newsroom Robots, the podcast where we explore the intersection of artificial intelligence and the news industry. I'm Nikita Roy, data scientist, media entrepreneur, and one of the many founders currently building their ventures at the Harvard Innovation Labs. On the Newsroom Robots, I'm excited to bring you insightful conversations with industry experts about how AI is impacting the way we do journalism. This is part two of my conversation with Eli Trung, the vice president of product strategy at the American Press Institute. In the first part, we discussed Elite's experience working on AI products at the Washington Post, where she was the director of strategic initiatives. Elite spoke about working on Heliograph, the robot reporter at the Washington Post. We heard about how she and her team developed Claire, an AI voice assistant that was the third iteration of Heliograph. Claire was given the persona of a woman in her 30s and was designed with a voice using Microsoft's AI technology. This AI bot generated flexible audio snippets with election updates based on the status of local election results and tailored it to the listener's location. These snippets, all read by Claire, were automatically inserted into the Post's political podcast. Elard shared how this approach provided a more engaging and personalized way to present election data to audience. She also shared an interesting product use case she had for computer vision in journalism. Computer vision, a field within artificial intelligence, enables computers to interpret and analyze visual data in a manner similar to human eyes. Elite believes this technology could assist journalists to review and report on traumatic events. Today, we pick up from there, turning our focus on the AI products Elite is currently working on at the American Press Institute. We discuss the untapped potential of AI in newsrooms and hear her insights for product managers looking to incorporate cutting-edge technologies like generative AI. 
So, Elite, you're now working at the American Press Institute, building tools and resources to help local news. And so I want to learn more about that. Could you tell me more about how are you incorporating AI into the tools that you're working on right now to help newsrooms? So at API, there's two lanes that the product team that I oversee were interested in exploring. So the first is actually as practitioners. Um, so working alongside um, our local newsrooms who we serve, we serve over 100 local newsrooms through our two products, Source Matters and Metrics for News. And uh, we're really trying to understand what AI technologies have to offer us, the industry at large, and how we can utilize those technologies to serve our clients and our local newsrooms so we can have a really robust industry, not just national newsrooms leveraging AI, but a really strong local newsroom component of uh, of our democracy and, you know, information needs in the U.S. So we're interested, particularly, um, we've done some experiments in the past on exploring how natural language processing helps identify and automatically categorize sources and source tracking in the article context a little bit more quickly in Source Matters versus reporters having to go through and attach all this like identifying information manually to sources. Not uh, These are all like self-volunteered information and things like that, but it's also quite laborious to have to do that manually, right? I'm just like, okay, we want top level metrics on how we've covered the past couple of months on election races in our area, for instance, and how many community members versus public officials did we talk to. If you want top level data like that, you do need to aggregate some you know, data about your sources along the way. This makes it a little bit easier to do. And also through our contextual metrics tool, Metrics for News, we've been interested in tapping NLP for those kinds of things to automatically tag things and add more context. So it gives more data on how local news leaders and their staffs are reaching their editorial goals without having to put a ton of manual work in. So a really, really good use case for using automation and other parts of AI to be able to help do those jobs for those reporters and editors. We're interested in potentially open sourcing data on specific beats or workflow tools behind the scenes or content discovery, which I think we talked about earlier is really, really interesting and I think a huge potential area for us to look into. And we're happy to support any vendors who are doing that in a really smart way or potentially look into seeing, is that something that we could potentially help out with? If all their content is in the same place and there's there's a potentially really big opportunity there. So that's the first lane, which is as in practice using AI and understanding what it has to offer us. The second lane here is as conveners and facilitators. So we're in a really unique position as a journalism support organization to be able to zoom out and see a lot of the issues and see how can we help, like, how can we find a place to help that is actually useful to local news leaders? There's so many different resources. We have amazing folks in the journalism support space who are really trying to figure out also the same thing, like how can we help at this time, but not overlap and do a lot of the same AI support kind of stuff. So one of the things I'm thinking through right now, and depending on when this episode is out in August, this is likely something that will be able to happen pretty soon, is gathering local news leaders to better understand and identify issues and opportunities to use AI to expand their work capacities and serve their audiences a bit more. This is why I think local news is one of the biggest industries to be able to, the biggest audience opportunity to be able to serve as many people as we possibly can versus just national newsrooms because there's so many communities who are no longer being served effectively by local newsrooms because of the pandemic's effect on shutting so many local newsrooms across America in the past couple of years. And there's just a huge opportunity to reach a lot of people 
on the business operations side, on the content discovery side, to be able to scale their work effectively or help them with some parts that could be automated a little bit. So potentially that could open up new avenues of opportunities to serve audiences a bit more. So maybe in a couple years, there could be opportunities to see more and more local news outlets who may be able to be leveraging some of that help. The other part of this lane of convening and facilitating is um, we're pretty lucky at American Press Institute to be able to develop research and best practices for local newsrooms to use, being out ahead and sort of identifying the pitfalls of using AI irresponsibly and encouraging transparent use for technology. So we've seen this a lot in the past couple of months alone, which is... Um, you know, like something that could be very useful for, I think, any organization who's committing to using a risky technology that has a real a real effect on trust either way. Like you could maintain your trust or you could easily erode it by using this technology, depending on how you communicate your your intention. Right. So I think that's just a simple business strategy tactic is for local news leaders to to explain their mission and why they're using AI to both their staff and their audiences. So they can avoid any, you know, they can answer the big questions like, why are we using AI? What for? If there's any content that's um, being presented to audiences, like, where can I expect to see, like, this was written by a bot or this was compiled by automation or something like that? That should be on there to help clarify, like, the reporting is really left up to these reporters. And this is how we use automation behind the scenes to sort of to make this workflow a little bit more effective. So we're, we're working on some of those best practices, and I'm really looking forward to hearing more from these local news leaders about where they see opportunities are and, um, and driving some research from there. Yeah. And so now all of the products right now at API focus on using natural language processing, which is also a subset of AI. And so with generative AI coming into the mix right now, how are you approaching that with your products and any experiments that you've been doing? So right now, I'm really interested in paying attention to see what the different use cases are. I still see a lot of sort of back of house business operations opportunities where I'm not totally sure, again, who is the right producer? Like who is the right person or organization to start a product like this? Is it us? Is it someone else? I'm trying to identify how we can differentiate ourselves, just like newsrooms should, on how they use AI or any emerging tech to be able to add to their product portfolio. So instead of pursuing immediately a product experiment for that, what I'm trying to do is research on who else has been doing this for a while and maybe hasn't marketed themselves as using natural language processing or AI or anything kind of like that, evaluating the landscape of those products and seeing okay, now that we understand the local news space really well, we understand the problems that the people that we work with every day, we start from there and then try to see like, okay, something that might be a solution to that is this product that has that's built on top of AI. We would recommend this. So that's where I think the biggest potential for us at API is as a journalism support organization. Others are already building tools and which is fantastic. It's a whole new lane Though I think to do product marketing and build a solution that's looking for a problem that may not solve the most important problem for local news organizations. So I'm still in the listening, still in the research phase of understanding, okay, let me understand the evolving problems and the upcoming opportunities, for instance, next year with elections. I want to anticipate some of the problems that we'll build and potential solutions that we could enlist either by recommending vendors and working out like potential deals for local newsrooms or building some sort of solutions ourselves. So our local news leaders can understand how can we get closer to our editorial goals 
maybe using AI or maybe something else. And for the newsrooms that you're partnered with right now and talking about regarding the use of generative AI, how are you kind of guiding them towards adopting it within their newsrooms? We're not we're not necessarily recommending anything without understanding their problems. There are some really interesting vendors out there. Lead AI is one that I think has been interesting for years. Jay Allred is the CEO of that, which is associated with Richland Source in Ohio. And what they do is help, like they gather a lot of data about high school games and sports scores in general. They help scale by publishing a lot of those things in automated article templates and affix the right images to those kinds of things. And it helps really boost traffic. It boosts revenue in local communities and also other opportunities come from that because communities love to see like, hey, that's my kid. He was in the soccer game. Look at this like write up on it. Whereas if you have two reporters, there's no way those reporters should spend time in all those different games. So trying to identify and understand the market for what solutions are coming up that may match with problems in general, that's not necessarily generative AI, I think, in that same sense. I haven't found anything yet that I would trust enough to proactively recommend to local newsrooms. I think there are a lot of interesting solutions out there, but I would I want to better understand the biggest problems. A lot of the uh, solutions I'm seeing are nice to haves or have some other interest in mind of like, hey, I got a lot of funding for this because a lot of venture capitalists like really liked that this was an, a generative AI solution. I'm going to try to get journalists to do this. And I think that's really disingenuous. And sure, you could do it. But I, I really hate to try to push a local news leader and their staffs who already are so understaffed, have so little capacity to try to adopt yet another tool. And that's what makes technology and new advances that help local newsrooms evolve tired of this new stuff, right? It's hard to keep up with. Yeah, absolutely. I'd really love to hear more about how you see newsrooms working with this technology. And now with your work at the American Press Institute, where you're working a lot in local news and the tech products that you're working on, what opportunities are you seeing for generative AI? So I think there's a couple of different things. We've, we've heard of so many different, we've had amazing guests on who have gone into all the different use cases that are, or categories of use cases that people should be This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Anything else? So I won't repeat too much of that. I'll just highlight a couple of things that I'm really interested in. 
One is, I don't agree with this. However, so Google Docs is rolling out like a sort of Clippy-like assistant from old Microsoft Word that helps you start out with writing your document. This is potentially disastrous for students who use Google Docs, who could have Google Docs like fill in the entire thing. But we're already starting to see it in email, for instance. What I would like to be able to follow in that spirit is starting outlines for service journalism and how-to guides so we can better jump on timely events that could really help with SEO, for instance, for any news organization when you're trying to develop news you can use for your audience. So all that stuff is like, it's not something that you have to report too deeply. If the news comes out of like, hey, TSA or like the Department of Homeland Security, it's really backed up on approving passports right now. And that's the news story. The service journals to follow is here's how to get a passport right now and adding specific lines of context for that time of like how you can apply for a passport now, what to expect, those things like that. You can have something like that started really quickly with like with generative AI and be able to publish that thing incredibly quickly with like a piece of stock imagery and be able to scale your operations to be to have useful news alongside the actual news story. Right. And how to guides like how do you do these things like and being able to, you know, link your your other coverage in that way. It can be a big traffic boost. Besides that, I think a really interesting way to incorporate AI in the newsroom is to be open to automation assistance in some way. At Media Party, I reconnected with my beloved former colleague, Matt Kiefer. He's now the data editor over at WBEZ in Chicago. And he had this great idea that I really love, which is when data reporters are working on and trying to file a million FOIA requests, for instance, how do you keep track of that over time? It's mostly an email. When you submit those FOIA requests, you might get a submission confirmation, but you might have a lot of those requests out, for instance. How do you track them over time and how do you connect them to actual change in the stories that you publish when you might get some information back from that FOIA request? I find a lot of interest in trying to track things over time that automation can help you do in a particular place that removes it from just the email back and forth. Maybe like that helps us to show accountability to our audiences as we see we filed this request over and over again. Maybe it's been like X amount of times and this is, they refuse to give this information to us, even though it should be divulged in a FOIA request. Or eventually here's the law that got changed because of all of our work and that AI assistant might've been able to keep track of all the FOIA's ins and outs. I think as an operation system, it does very well if you give it that kind of job or like some other kind of impact tracking, which could really help nonprofit newsrooms sort of automate, hey, here's like the number of stories that we did on this particular subject. And you can give it that sort of job to keep track of how things are are driving towards impact goals that you and your newsroom might have. On the audience side, uh, content discovery is, I mentioned before, the biggest opportunity that really isn't a human job. I really think that's a machine's job to be able to surface really you know, there was this this concept of an audience at one at scale. So Nikita, it's like what you read and like what your friend reads and like what your parent reads are all different, but we're trying to reach all those people. So how do we do that with first party data and connecting that to what in our like entire treasure trove of decades of content is most interesting to you. Like, what do we know about you that you might want to read more? Streaming services do this incredibly well, especially when they inherit archives of like older shows that we really like, and they can connect that and they can serve that up to you when you're in the mood for watching something. 
there's a lot of lessons that we can learn from that. So I think um, that's really, we should give that job to a machine and make a person in charge of the strategy of how that might surface things. And it's hard because um, many companies didn't prioritize infrastructure. I can say that writ large, they focused on today's content production. So it's really hard to find and serve older content unless it's a strategy to do so. I'm really encouraged to see taxonomy projects and like the boring, non-shiny work that it takes for AI to be able to surface things later on because everything's in the same place. I totally agree with you about content discovery. It's been that one-size-fits-all model for quite a while. And I think that's probably where social media companies and everybody else is kind of beaten a lot of the news industry because they're able to surface content that people just want to keep scrolling on, whereas we're not doing that yet um, to the capacity that we could. So kind of wrapping things up, I'm also just interested to know more about the relationship between newsrooms and audience. You worked a lot on these tools between the two. How do you see the future of that interaction evolving with the influence of AI, how newsrooms are going to be using generative AI, building more tools to interact with audience? Where do you see us heading? So I think there's a dual effect that we can we see now of newsrooms using AI, like any other technology used by imperfect humans who use it for both corporate interests and community engagement at the same time. You get um, issues like misinformation and news literacy is even more needed. Um, it's it's really complicated, um, all the issues that generative AI introduces in that space where there's already perhaps low news literacy or something like that, or just not, just not being taught in schools. But also you could use it to scale up operations and really save time. I am interested most, I think, in the tools that help audiences, like reach audiences at, in audiences of one and scaling that up. I think that's the biggest potential for AI that is for good. <laughs> I think big tech, as I said at Media Party, big technology doesn't need to like adhere to an ethics code like we do as journalists. So it's our responsibility, I think, to evolve with the times as technologies come and go, but to also use it to improve our work and our trust with our communities and not replace or destroy it. We see this in a couple of different use cases going on now. I think it is always a hard road to go down and folks will go down this road of trying to introduce more and more AI-enabled tools for journalists to use in their work. I think Anytime there is, and this is because I work on products that are outside the CMS and I ask journalists to use this. I think anytime there's an opportunity to integrate this into your CMS or integrate this into your workflow, so it's just something working alongside many other functions that you're working on in the background, automatically doing this thing for you, automatically looking for SEO keywords that you can like either accept or like just exit out of. Anything that is sort of seamless and then can help you in that way in the background it's going to be way more successful than introducing more and more tools that they have to actively use. However, I really, this is something that I think is a challenge for anyone working with technology in journalism, but anywhere else that isn't just technology itself, is really, is the expectation that any single technology solution is a silver bullet, that it'll solve the problem for you. Even Otter or even whatever that you might use that is so helpful still needs an editor. And we can really understand that as journalists, that everyone could use an editor and everyone should have an editor before that work comes out to check for quality control because our our communities, our readers, they really deserve it. And we, we don't want to question our and uh, have our integrity questioned at all when we are producing any kind of content. So I think if there are folks who are willing to understand the technology as it goes on 
and really um, know their newsrooms well enough to find problems that need that kind of solution. I'm really excited to see more and more folks use, use it and embrace this stage and be ready for the next one that comes up. Yeah, exactly. It's important to innovate with these tools while also just critically understanding and exploring this space while we get to know more about how we can develop with it. But one final question that I want to know, just as somebody working on products for such a long time, you've seen the transition to different, different, I think, eras of the media with social media coming in now with AI. What's a, an advice you'd give to a product manager working on trying to step into AI, especially generative AI? What would you like them to keep in mind? Any of these technologies is just a solution looking for a problem. So the only goal for any product that you oversee, in my opinion, is to be is to be useful enough to be used. So really where I think you should develop your expertise is not as much in this technology as it is with social relationships that you develop with your stakeholders and people you serve. Who are you making products for? Being well connected with them, whether you work in a newsroom with them or you're a startup trying to serve newsrooms in general. I really urge folks to not create a solution just because it's easily funded and it doesn't solve a problem that's worth solving for the people you're trying to serve. And you're trying to, it becomes even more confusing for small newsrooms who don't know as much about the technology that depend on others to sort of like explain what's going on sometimes because they have to run a whole operation as just a founder or a smaller newsroom that I'm seeing. But really trying not to, um, you know, they don't know exactly always like, is a solution like helpful to me, right? So trying to be as clear as you can and understanding here's the opportunity, here are the problems we're working with. I think this is a good way to connect the dots. I see an opportunity here. I think that's that's the mark of a really strategic product manager. I think if you can identify something in the space of AI or automation and an opportunity in your newsroom that is a problem worth solving that enough people care about that slows down enough work, start there. I'm super happy to um, to talk with anyone. Feel free to email me. I can share my email address as well. I want to hear how those experiments are going. And I, especially folks in local newsrooms, I would love to support you in some way. And and yeah, I, I'm excited for the practitioners on the ground to, to keep pushing forward and to keep defining the future of what journalism looks like. Thank you. Thank you, Eli. Those are some wise words there, remembering who we are making the products for. And I'm excited to see how you work on local news and building those products and incorporating it at your work at the, the American Press Institute. And thank you so much for joining us on News and Robots. Thank you so much for having me. I love the show. So I'm, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. Thanks, Eli. That was Eli Trung, the Vice President of Product Strategy at the American Press Institute. This podcast is produced thanks to the Harvard Innovation Lab's Spark Grant. I'm Nikita Roy, and this is Newsroom Robots.